0: Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for discussion, interviews and live event coverage from around the globe on the latest design to manufacturing technologies. I'm your host, Laura Griffiths, Deputy Group Editor at TCT Magazine, and I'm very excited about our guest on today's episode. But before we jump into that, don't forget you can listen to the podcast on a variety of platforms and if you head over to tctmagazine.com, you can subscribe for your free print magazine and get the latest AM news delivered straight to your inbox every week. You can also check out previous digital issues over at issue.com forward slash tctmagazine and keep up with us on social at the TCT Magazine. Now for this episode, we had the opportunity to spend some time with Marie Langer, CEO of German Additive Manufacturing Leader EOS. Marie took over from her father, Dr. Hans Langer, back in October last year. Hans founded the company in 1989 and, as a member of the TCT Hall of Fame, is considered one of the true pioneers of AM technology. Now, Marie is on a mission to lead 3D printing to become a mainstream, sustainable manufacturing process. In this episode, we spoke about Marie's early memories of AM technology, why sustainability is a big deal for EOS and her cultural and technological ambitions as she leads the company into its next 30 years. So Marie, you were appointed CEO of EOS back in October, taking over from your father, Dr. Hans Langer. Tell us about what's been happening over the last few months and how has the transition been for you so far?
1: Yeah, the last month uh, were, of course, uh, very exciting and uh, um... How do you say? There was a lot to do. I'm not bored. <laughs> so, uh, but but you know, challenging situations always always give me give me some try. So, so I'm having a lot of fun in in performing in this role. Of course, um, I first started to work more closely together with my senior management team to align and to 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 the most important steps the next months and and years forward that we're tackling. And um, yeah, so. so it was a quite intense time, and of course, uh, I spent a lot of time in the organization. Of course, I know EOS inside little, but it was really important for me now the first month to get to know all our teams, mm-hmm. to understand um, their their point of views, their perspectives on our strategy, on the situations we're facing right now, and how to how to um, how to work together in, in the in the best. Culture is uh, something very dear to me, so I don't know if you know this sentence, but there's my my father always said it. Actually, uh, culture eat strategy for breakfast. So um, I invested a lot of time in in, in yeah looking at uh, cultural topics actually at the US mm-hmm. and in finding out how to move more closely together also uh, globally, as we're not only having a headquarter in in, in, in Germany, but also are situated. In the U.S. and then in Asia, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, so all these intercultural topics and how to really present us as a global player and align our internal organizations to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a lot of fun right now, and um, uh, we're working very hard on this.
0: It sounds like a very, very busy time for you then. And as you said, you spent an awful lot of time at the company anyway. EOS was founded in 1989. You've been around this technology for, for most of your life. Do you remember your first experience with or have any early memories of being around the technology? Oh, yes, of
1: course. So it's really interesting because uh, my my dad, of course, he's he's a great storyteller and visionary. So mm-hmm. you can imagine that on the kitchen table, <laughs> uh, my my uh, brother and me were kind of like uh, feeling we we're right in the middle. Um, and uh, I, yeah, my my dad was always very customer focused. So he of course brought home a lot of stories about customers. Of course, also internal topics, but mostly what the technology can do, and um, of course, we had the small gimmicks, I don't know if you know this, like the ball and the ball Mm -hmm. and these kind of things, so when I was really little, I kind of realized already, okay, that's like something special, I of course couldn't really imagine what it means, Mm -hmm. and we had actually a neighbor who was working in the dental, uh, who was working in the dental business, who actually identified one of the first applications in that area very early on in the 90s, when he was living right right next to us, and yeah, he was really a pioneer, so um, that was really interesting for me as well, Mm -hmm. like seeing that even people living next to us are using the technology.
0: (laughs) And so, do you still feel that same excitement and wonder today, then 30 years on? Does it feel just as groundbreaking right now? Yeah, it it was really interesting. I remember, I don't know if it was eight or ten years ago, but you know, when
1: this whole term 3D printing, got established mm. more in, in the media and in the press. And I was reading an article, I'm not sure if it was The Economist article about EOS or it was something similar in the newspaper. And there was the, like the whole process was described, uh, like the technology beyond that. I remember I called my dad and I asked him, what are they talking about 3D printing? That's exactly what you're telling me about since 20 years. <laughs> And uh, he just said, like, yeah, well, you know, now it got a little bit more mainstream. So we also call it 3D printing now. <laughs> and then I realized, so, so that was, I don't know, I, yeah, it was 8 to 10 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when I realized, okay, that will be something big. Because before, I always had a hard time to explain my friends what we're doing. Mm. Actually. Because, you know, it was web prototyping. It was a lot of um, R&D-centered uh, uh, projects we did. So, but but kind of like really hitting this mainstream, and then my dad started to talk more about like this huge OEMs we were working with that that we, of course, knew. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, then I got really excited, realizing actually then also the potential of sustainability in all of that, that then really convinced me that I want to be part of this.
0: And you've spoken an awful lot about sustainability. I remember you talking about it back at Formnext and also when you first took on the role. And um, can you speak a little bit about how you're addressing sustainability at EOS and the environmental and the social impacts that that may have?
1: Yes, of course. So I think, first of all, what is really important uh, for me is to to better communicate the advantages we have in this technology, actually, when it comes to conventional manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Because I think we do that with the lip. So we're we having, like... So many advantages like new resource efficiencies, lightweight designs, longer product life, and inventory waste reduction, a lot of things that we can offer with the technology in general. Mm-hmm. And as, as a first step, I want to make everyone more aware of the fact that it can be a green technology, actually. And then, of course, there are a lot of things we look into. These are biodegradable materials, um, making sure that we reduce energy waste. Uh, of our machines, um, then of course material uh, waste is a big topic, mm-hmm. and um, so there 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 are several like channels we look at, like core technology. But then of course it's also um, it also refers to some uh, uh, corporate responsibility activities we do as well for our employees. Uh, we invest also in some. Some um, uh, um, NGOs and uh, social projects uh, that are doing great things there. So, so we have a broad view on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's very core. Uh, that the core is to leverage our technology and the potentials of our technology that lie within. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're right, some of the things that you've mentioned there, we often think of additive manufacturing as a sustainable technology, you know, reduced waste, less material consumption, manufacturing closer to the point of demand. And as you've just said, it comes with its own challenges as well. Is there anything the industry as a whole you think could be doing better to address that? Yes, of course. So I think, first of all,
1: I'm um, I'm all about uh, partnering up Mm -hmm. for these kind of things. So I think uh, the, the era of just doing everything by your own and the competing with each other really should should be reconsidered <laughs> because I don't believe in this concept, to be honest. And, of course, we see business models changing, and a lot of also big OEMs open up more because they realize that with the whole station, um there there are completely different ways of working together. And for me, it would be really important we have some great customers that – that push the topic of sustainability a lot. I don't know if you heard about Burlock um, there in the uh, aerospace and area um, in, in the US, and they do a lot in the area of sustainability. So for me, it's really about partnering up with customers, also partners in our network, to to make sure that we really revelate uh, leverage this, this potentials and, and we're also working on a positioning right now calling it responsible manufacturing mm-hmm. making sure that we actually can communicate better the advantages and then work more together on tackling the issues we still have in that technology. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about collaboration and partnership because I know it's, it's really important to, to EOS, and it's definitely an ongoing theme that we see in the wider industry. Um, we saw it at Formnext with some of the companies that EOS was surrounded by, the likes of Dimension Mansion, for example. So can you speak a little bit about the importance of partnership in terms of the industry growth and how EOS goes about finding the right partners?
1: Yes, of course. So my dad already started five years ago um, um creating this ecosystem together with our management and around the US because we actually realized very early on that we are in a solution business mm-hmm. that's not a machine business it's an end to end business mm-hmm. so in the end the customers want to be able to produce a part or to even get a part or not even interested in producing it themselves so for us it's really important to look uh, along the whole uh, value creation chain, so we're starting at the, like the design phase, and then there's of course hardware materials, um, uh, software related to that, and then there's post-processing. So, that I mentioned that you referred to is, is a great partner for, for post-processing in the polymer side on the polymer side, and um, yeah. So, uh, our approach is that we have some some um, um, companies within the US group. For example, ACM, they do customized machines because we also see that the market develops much more into application-driven mm-hmm. uh, uh, machine development. Um, and then, of course, we have partners in our um, uh, venturing fund. That's, that's, a, that's another company we own and the family. That's a sister of our partner, a company of the U.S. as well. Um, and there we invest in startups actually that are either complementary or disruptive to our technology in the areas that just described along the whole value chain. Mm-hmm. And then of course we also partner up with uh, with big big OEMs like Siemens or or other other uh, customers and partners who work uh, very closely um, together for several years. Mm-hmm. And um, these are kind of like the the so the important thing for us is to to actually have a partner network that, where, that gives us the opportunity to provide the full solution mm-hmm. to our customers. And what we're also developing right now is um, also offer, offering customers actually AM factories for very specific applications mm-hmm. because we also see that that will push the market a lot. Mm -hmm. There are two things that we're really pushing right now, so the one thing is sustainability, or three things, like one thing is sustainability, the second thing is uh, our ecosystem partner network, we call it AM Mm end-to-end, and um, the the third thing is uh, the whole global setup of our organization.
0: And I want to talk to you a little bit about um, application examples. You know, we, we see an, a broad variety of things coming out of EOS. We heard from Denise Schindler back at Formnix about the impact of additive on her life as an athlete. On the consumer side, you've got things like that famous Chanel production mascara brush, and most recently those will not concepts for Ford. Can you talk about any specific application examples that you're particularly proud of or excited about at the moment? Yeah, of course. So,
1: so not all about uh, not all of the I'm able to talk about mm-hmm. <laughs> always <laughs> That's the way always a
0: pity <laughs> in that uh, if
1: you're working in an uh, innovation uh, innovative company because the coolest stuff sometimes you're not allowed to talk mm-hmm. but we have a lot of things we are able to talk about actually and we're really excited about it one company is a launcher it's a company in, uh, situated in New York I think mm-hmm. and they're working in the aerospace area so so we developed some, some like a specific application uh, for them. Uh, then there is Hexer Helmet, UK startup. We're actually working on the global, global um, scale, scaling up uh, right now with them. What I think is also very interesting is uh, the whole area of energy efficiency where we go more into um, talking about heat exchangers, talking also about applications in the electro, electric mobility area. So, so, there are a lot of uh, innovative markets that we, where we see a lot of potential also uh, linking that sustainability, mm-hmm. what, what excites me a lot.
0: And how do you reach those smaller users and, and smaller businesses who may have not considered additive manufacturing before and help them to really understand perhaps the, the low-hanging fruit opportunities and applications and, and adopt this technology?
1: Yeah, so actually, we were just talking about it last week because we um, always uh, manufactured actually uh, parts for our own machine production, mm-hmm. um, also in house, and leveraging this more and more. Um, uh, also now, and we also were discussing that there are actually a lot of like mid sized uh, companies that also build machines mm-hmm. or do 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 tooling uh, uh, in the tooling industry. Um, that that could benefit a lot from from also being able to produce some parts they need internally mm-hmm. for themselves um, and for for the buildup of their of their uh, yeah machines or, or whatever they produce. So, so we're looking into that. Then of course we have some. Um, uh, yeah, we, we try to attract more also uh, family-owned companies uh, in, in, uh, in Germany. As we know, they're kind of like the backbone of our economy. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we see that, that there is a lot of uh, uh, potential. And then, of course, when you look at it, that we have the big OEMs and they normally, they qualify our parts. But then they have the whole supply chain, mm-hmm. what it would push the factory to. So what we do is actually that we're working with the supply chain and the OEM together to making sure that in the end they can scale up their parts. So mm-hmm. that's an example how we do it with Boeing, for example, uh, in the U.S., uh, where also a lot of their supply chain partners are actually our customers. So we try to tackle it from different different um, areas, but we see that working very closely with the OEMs is quite important right now because they look in the technology and then decide which technology they certify. Mm-hmm. So that's why these are very important partners for us. Mm-hmm. But then in the longer run, the the, the the smaller and mid-sized companies, I think, will be the ones who will be using the technology much more.
0: Okay. And one place that um, I often see just from doing various site visits is um, EOS machines inside major service bureaus as well. Do you see that as kind of a, a key sort of gateway to getting people to understand and adopt the technology? Yes, of
1: course. And actually, um, our whole uh, business development activities also um, are pointing to to that. So, so we always try to leverage the service bureaus we have to also... For example, if we're working with, we try to attract new customers. We also would sometimes even link them to service bureau, bureaus that are having our technology to mm-hmm. to so they can better better showcase what is actually possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is uh, service bureau, bureaus or or some 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 very dear um, OEM customers that we have mm-hmm. that we use for this.
0: And we, of course, have talked about the benefits of the technology, but we need to talk about the challenges as well in this industry. Um, so where do you think the main challenges lie in having additive manufacturing truly understood and adopted as a production technology? Yeah,
1: yeah so I think there, there, there are three parts, and we're at a, a part, like, three steps. We're at step two right now. Mm-hmm. So um, the first step is, of course, the, the quality of the part in general. So, so once we decide, like once once people, we of course, being said that once people understood how to do their part, that they actually need. That's of course the the hugest thing mm-hmm. that that we are working on very very intensively. That's why we we founded a, a, a new entity within the US a few years ago called Ed's Mind, So they actually really educate the market. So, um, but to educate the market in the right way and to identify the, the right part, uh, part quality was a very, very important thing mm-hmm. so that we reach actually the, the, the quality criteria that our customers need. So that, that was the first step and that's actually what we're pretty good at and achieving. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second thing is, and that's a little bit the tricky part because we're in a very emergent technology uh, still a very young technology is industrial grade. So making sure that the, every machine is running twenty four seven in the same way, um, and every process is working the same in, on every machine, mm-hmm. and that's something where the whole industry is quite uh, challenged right now. And uh, we're working intens- intensively right now to to so solve that also uh, uh, with getting more modular designs um, um, up running here and offering that to our customers. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the third part is uh, the cultural part. Mm-hmm. And so, so we, are, we are right now focusing on step two and step three because we see that's something that will really unleash a lot of potential in, in markets we did not even touch yet. Mm-hmm.
0: And another area that EOS is really championing championing is this idea of these, um, this sort of factory of the future, kind of like a smart factory element. We see it with things like the EOS shared modules, for example. Um, I just wondered what your thoughts were on on that being implemented right now, and and if we're actually there yet in terms of getting this smart factory idea out into these production facilities.
1: So I think what is really important uh, as a step right now is collecting the right data. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's good to 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 jump on this topic right now, making sure that we understand how this works together and how the flows need to be mm-hmm. generate data for that. We're working with some dedicated partners on that right now. To then be able to offer it in the right setup to our customers. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that's something that we uh, will not, uh, the full, like the potential of it will not be leveraged uh, uh, within the next one to two years mm-hmm. fully because there are some other topics we have to solve first. But uh, like we consider ourselves as, as pioneers and also thought leaders. Mm-hmm. So, and we know that industrial 3D printing will be the, like one of the, the technology that is actually in the digital manufacturing world will uh, will, will push a lot of things. So um, we, we, we see this very connected, and that's why we invest a lot in that right now.
0: Okay. And I just want to touch back on that panel session we mentioned earlier. Um, I remember you said that you thought it wasn't that special that you were one of the first female CEOs in the additive manufacturing industry, and it's rather just a reflection of the company's pioneering spirit. How do you feel about being seen as a pioneer in that regard? and is diversity an important issue for you as a leader?
1: Yeah, so first of all, I'm of course excited that there's so many, so there were so many positive reactions uh, um, uh, because of that. and um, even that my brother and me were were raised very equally and never. Uh, uh, like the, the, if I would take the job or, or how, how we will solve the situation was never, um, based on female or male. Mm-hmm. But then, um, of course, uh, for me, diversity is really important because I, I, I started at the beginning talking about culture. And for me, in the end, it's, it's, uh, diversity and being socially aware, showing empathy. Um, is very important having a a specific amount of social intelligence and leadership becomes more and more important, becomes more and more important in our global world. I'm 100% sure of that. And I see that a lot of females actually have quite a potential in that area because that's what we train for. And, um, so I, I definitely want to, want to support every woman who, who wants to, who, who wants to take on a more, more senior role here. And uh, but I I don't want to stop there because for me it's more a question of diversity in general diversity when it comes to culture when it comes to nationality when it comes to personality I have a lot of male friends in my my surrounding that are very open that are that are um, great leaders as well We have some great examples here at EOS male leaders that are doing a great job So so for me it's not only about pushing females now for me it's about Pushing diversity because mm-hmm. I think in the long run that's what will
0: make us win. And I just want to touch more on that that culture side because you've mentioned it um, a couple of times. And um, when you first spoke to TCT back in October, when you first took on the role, and um, you described purpose and passion as key principles for EOS and also that the of family. Can you talk about how that translates to the um, to kind of the, the cultural side of leading the company?
1: Yeah. So for me, there are like three very important uh, things. Because I believe in, 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 um, in empowered leadership.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what we need for that is, um, I don't know if you know, the team-of-teams approach. So it's a more a little bit less hierarchical uh, organizational design where people uh, work in, in a very cross-functional team quite independently, um, but in a kind of like a framework. Where everyone commits to, and what is really important for that is, uh, first of all, a unifying sense of purpose. So everyone in the company kind of needs to to buy into a unifying sense of purpose that we all believe in, to our overall goal, what we want to achieve, what what makes us get up every morning. Um, so that's more like a vision. It's not like a like a concrete goal that you want to do next week. And that's something we work on very dedicatedly right now to connect it to our values uh, together with the leadership team. And um, um, yeah, uh, that's the first step. So the second step is shared consciousness. So everyone needs to know what they need to know to to take a decision. I also believe more in letting the people who have the most knowledge about the topic uh, making the decision than just, um, um, how do you say it, uh, uh, just always go up the hierarchy just because there's like a huge decision to take and then go down the hierarchy again and then go up the hierarchy again. So mm-hmm. that makes it very slow and actually I think it's not really motivational. And uh, so shared consciousness means that that you're very transparent in communication, that you make sure that everyone in the company knows what they have to know to, to, to do good positions and work, work towards our unified sense of purpose. And then the third thing is, and that actually I tackled that a little bit already, is distributed leadership. And distributed leadership means for me that it's not – leadership doesn't mean you have to decide everything and you have to know everything. It means that you have to create a framework that makes your team successful. And that's something that that I'm I'm here for. That's something I'm working with my team uh, dedicatedly every day Uh, because in the end, I'm only successful if – the rest of the US is successful. So um, I think that, that that's something that, that a lot of managers should remember uh, nowadays because I think it's not really common practice yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that at US we can pioneer that as well. Of course, there are great companies who do it. There's Sappho, there's Microsoft, there, there. I think there are some, some great examples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Google, Google Ads are working in a very cool, cool, um, atmosphere. And these are kind of like the companies I would, I would refer to.
0: Wow, okay. Well, it definitely sounds that EOS is certainly in in the right hands. Um, So, finally, um, the company celebrated a major milestone last year, 30 years in the industry. So, looking ahead, can you uh, talk about your ambitions for the company in terms of the business itself and also technology development too? Yes, of course.
1: So, um, we consider ourselves as a market leader and so that's why we want to drive the market. And what we want to do is that we want to lead 3D printing to become a mainstream, sustainable uh, manufacturing process. Um, and everything what we do the next uh, years will point directly to this goal. Um, of course, we look uh, much more into modular designs. I said that already. Uh, we see that also applications. Uh, focused uh, machine development will be getting more and more important also when it comes to materials um, um, related to that. Uh, we're pushing a lot this topic of AM cells or AM factories for dedicated silver production uh, cases because we see that there's a great demand to develop that together with our customers and we um, so and then of course we pushed the, the responsible manufacturing topic and, and I want to invest a lot in, in materials that are actually biodegradable that are uh, eco-friendly and um, yeah making sure that that we position our technology our process as a green technology in the next years and then of course what we did not even start to talk about is because we are so much into. Uh, solving some of the some of the things we need for that um, still, but if you if you think then about this whole uh, distributed uh, supply chain networks that we can create, where you can actually really print by demand, where mm-hmm. you don't need to set up like a, a lot of factories everywhere or ship the parts around the world, so where you can really make sure to produce the part when you need it for what you ever need it. And um, so I also think that the next five to 10 years, or maybe it takes a little bit longer, we will see. Um, We also will see a total shift in the whole way, how we produce things actually, and how companies set up their production sites. And uh, that's something that I'm really committed to push because I really believe in our technology and the potential we have here. And um, I want to see it being a, established mainstream manufacturing process so and i don't know if it'll take us 30 years i hope not but <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm committed to do whatever it takes to get us there